The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. People know I take classified uh, documents and classified information seriously. When my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol, when I, the four years after being vice president, I was a professor at Penn. Uh, they found some documents in a box, you know, locked cabinet, or at least a closet. And as soon as they did, they realized there were several classified documents in that box. And they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, turned them over to the archives, and I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office. But I don't know what's in the documents. I've, my lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives, and we're cooperating fully cooperating fully with the review and which I hope will be finished soon and uh, there'll be more detail at that time. We're just doing everything by the book. He sounds like uh, Susan Rice. Remember when Obama was leaving and uh, said, yeah, we just did everything by the book. There's Joe Biden in a prepared statement. Very unusual. He's in Mexico City. He's got a, he's reading from a statement. This, this story's not going away. This scandal, I should say. It's not going away. So his lawyers have advised him. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, didn't, I learned it from the news. I learned it the same way you guys did. I just saw it on the news. I didn't know anything about these documents. And my lawyers have advised me not to inquire about what they're even concerning. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We have so much to get to. On today's program, we certainly appreciate you joining us. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website. That would be thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live and watch it every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. So CBS breaks the story. The Republicans, we'll get to the timeline a little bit later in the show, but the Republicans, their first day in office, basically, controlling the House, that's Monday. And then Monday night, CBS, CBS breaks the story about these top secret documents sitting in Biden's old office at the Biden Center on the university or the campus of the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League school. And then the next day, CNN tells us that these classified documents, these top secret documents, pertain to uh, events or dealings with Iran, the UK, and of all places, Ukraine as well. So that's CBS and now CNN coming out with these revelations. What do we know thus far? I talked a little bit about this yesterday. Rahim Kassam, he reminds us that these classified documents. They, in the one case, pertain to Ukraine, and the date range is from 2013 to 2016. 
So basically the second term of Barack Obama and what was happening there at the tail end of that term, it's on video, we'll play it in a second, but you have Vice President Biden, Obama put him in charge of Ukraine following uh, Russia's incursion into Crimea. So he's over Ukraine. He's got all these trips to Ukraine during his vice presidency. And right there toward the end, in March of 2016, you have Joe Biden. He's, he's openly bragging. I guess the bragging was a, a couple years later in 2018. But he's talking about a trip that he made to Ukraine where he went over there and basically threatened to withdraw a billion dollars if the, Ukrainian, uh, if the Ukrainian president didn't fire this prosecutor. So listen to this. As I say, this is from a conference. I forget the date of the conference in 2018. But this is Vice President Biden talking about, of course, he's out of office by this point, but he's hearkening back to those final months in the Obama presidency. And listen to what he has to say. Clip five. Yes, and I went over, I guess, the... 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had, they were walking out to press conference, said, no, nah. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. So he got the prosecutor fired, Joe Biden did, with that threat, telling Poroshenko, you, the prosecutor was investigating Burisma possible criminal acts from Burisma. And that's where his son, Hunter Biden, had the do-nothing job where he was getting, what, fifty dollars to $80,000 per month? So think about, too, in the same year that Biden there was bragging about blackmailing Ukraine, the House Democrats impeached Donald Trump for a phone call to Zelensky. A phone call! He can brag about blackmailing and nothing happens. And here, President Trump, you think of both of Trump's impeachment hearings, by the way. One was for a phone call, a perfect phone call, as Trump calls it. And the other was for a speech, a speech in which Trump said, hey, when we go to the Capitol, make sure we protest peacefully. He got impeached for that. Two impeachments. How soon will the House Republicans impeach Joe Biden, is that coming? You, you look at the way the House is operating these last couple of days. They're going on offense. This, this really has been, I was telling one of my colleagues yesterday, what a remarkable last nine or ten days. At the start of the, the, the internal strife in the Republican Party over who would be the House Speaker, you had all of the talking heads. They knew exactly what was going on. The Republicans are divided. This is the worst crisis for the House of Representatives in history. The, the whole country is embarrassed. And yet look at what, after four days of fighting, okay, they were fighting. 
But after four days, look at the Republicans coming out of that early morning decision, Saturday morning, where they finally did decide on Kevin McCarthy, and now they are acting as one. And these radicals that have been able to operate lawlessly with impunity for years now, and they've never come under scrutiny, and now they know it's coming. And so we're seeing some interesting and revealing revelations, aren't we? By CBS and CNN. So he's there. That's 2018. He's bragging about March of 2016 when he went over there and got that prosecutor fired. He threatened to withhold a billion dollars. 2016 ends with Donald Trump shocking the world. He wins the presidential election. Yesterday on the program, I went over some of that history with Barack Obama aligning, his, weaponizing. He had weaponized it all through his first two terms. But he aligned them to attack Donald Trump with the bogus Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Russia somehow helped Donald Trump to win the election. They unleashed the deep state on Donald Trump there at the end of 2016, the beginning of 2017. I think the, the inauguration for Donald Trump was January 20th of 2017. Listen to this from uh, American Greatness. This is an article from almost three years ago, May 11th, uh, 2020. It says here, It's highly unusual for an outgoing vice president to travel abroad during the days before the beginning of the, the new administration. An examination of the National Archives reveals no foreign travel on the part of Dick, Dick Cheney between 2000, the 2008 election and the Obama-Biden inauguration, nor any foreign travel for Vice President Al Gore before the Bush-Cheney inauguration of 2001. You can see the title there. Hiding in plain sight, Biden's inauguration, uh, e his inauguration eve trip to... Ukraine. We've talked before about the significance of those meetings on January 5 and January 6 of 2017, where they were setting up Trump. Jim Comey, John Brennan, Vice President Biden, Barack Obama. Of course, Obama orchestrated it all. And then after those meetings, I think it was the day after that January 6 meeting, it was announced that Biden was going to Ukraine of all places. That clip I just played for you, he talked about going to Ukraine 12, 13 times. Why would he go to Ukraine, the place where his son had a do-nothing job for 50000 60000 per month, every single month, coming from Burisma? And on one of those trips, he goes over there and says to Poroshenko, if you don't fire the investigator looking into Burisma, you don't get the billion. You don't get the $1 billion this American Greatness piece from three years ago, it says, during the time before the inauguration, the outgoing vice president's duty to the American people is to help the president, the president-elect, and the vice president-elect with an orderly transition. That makes sense. You've only got a few days left in office. But boy, between Biden and Obama and Comey and Brennan and Susan Rice, and, and Tony Fauci, let's add him to the mix. He's the one that predicted a pandemic in those final days before the Trump inauguration. These people were busy. They were hard at work. What were they up to? Well, all of that's being exposed 
so much of it's exposed in this book, America Under Attack. Call our operators today and make sure you request your, your free copy, the 800 number, one 866 9303024. So in the final days for a, a vice president for sure, he's there making sure there's going to be a smooth transition, right? No travel for Cheney when he was outgoing, no travel for Al Gore when he was the outgoing VP, but for Biden, he had to make a trip to Ukraine, very very important. This was a duty that Joe Biden decided was subordinate to his desire to travel abroad. Three days before, three days before the Trump-Pence inauguration, Biden was halfway around the world meeting with leaders of a foreign country. That country, of course, as you saw there in the title, was Ukraine. What was Biden doing in Kiev on January 17th, 2017? We've talked before about the significance of January 16th, the day that Herbert Armstrong died back in 1986. Here's Biden en route to Kiev for this meeting with who knows who on January 17th, just three days before Donald Trump was to be inaugurated. It says here he was creating an opportunity for himself to speak unmonitored with the bosses of a corrupt country whose natural gas company was paying his miscreant son more than $83,000 a month in phony consulting fees. Hiding in plain sight, Biden's inauguration eve trip to Ukraine. It says what Biden was doing, above all, was not talking on the phone. The point being, look, if, it, if it's a quick trip to Ukraine then why did he need to do that just three days before the inauguration? Just call the leaders over there. But there's a reason he didn't want to make phone calls. Because he knows. He knows the apparatus of the deep state. They listen into those conversations. It says here, everyone now knows that a U.S. president or vice president who speaks on a secure phone line with a foreign leader can have his top secret conversation leaked, distorted, and in Donald Trump's case, involving another president of Ukraine made into a basis for a bogus impeachment process. Trump calls the, uh, he calls the president of Ukraine and he gets impeached for it. Of course, it was Trump who revealed or released the full transcript of that phone conversation to expose Vindeman and the other liars that were making it into something that it wasn't. Whatever Biden had to say in Kiev... He knew he did not want it overheard by the many bureaucratic busybodies who managed to listen in or receive transcripts of these highly sensitive communications. Only by getting face-to-face -face in Kiev with his Ukrainian contacts could Biden be certain of his ability to conduct such communications with them without anyone else in our government or theirs knowing about it. This was very private. Uh, to be kept on the down low. He used the, all of the, the government travel apparatus, the, I guess Air Force Two, no doubt. Had to make this quick trip over there. Three days later, Donald Trump is inaugurated. And sometime during that transition, Biden or his handlers, they take off with top secret documents involving Iran, UK, and Ukraine. 
And here's what's especially, what's especially damning. He can say, as he said in Mexico City yesterday, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, my lawyers discovered it. They were cleaning up an office, and there they were, and I don't even know what they pertain to. They're in the Biden Center, this center that was opened in the summer of 2017. The inauguration, remember, is in January of 2017. So someone took those top-secret documents to some location outside of the White House because they had to move out, but they didn't go to that, that Biden center until the summer of 2017. So basically they made two stops. I mean, we're talking about, you talk about chain of custody with respect to voter integrity. No chain of custody here. These are multiple felonies, crimes. Just going by the, the radical Democrat standard alone, high crimes and misdemeanors for sure. They want Trump thrown in prison for the crimes that they are committing. Tucker made this point last night on his, uh, his program. Listen to, uh, I think it's on, this is clip seven. They always accuse you of the very things they're doing themselves. If there's one rule you can keep on your fridge, write it down, put it in your wallet to evaluate the behavior of the people in charge, it's that. They blame you for their sins every single time. The latest example arrived this week when we learned that Joe Biden, fresh from lecturing us about how Donald Trump was a criminal because he had unauthorized possession of secret documents, that very same Joe Biden himself had unauthorized possession of secret documents. But don't worry, it's not a big deal. Unlike you and that despicably orange Donald Trump, Joe Biden is a good person. Joe Biden is so virtuous he has transcended temporal law. It's not a crime when he does it. Of course not. He's a, he's a Democrat, so he can do he can do whatever he wants, and he can get away with it. Listen to this this uh, Joy Bay play the Joy Behar clip right after that. Clip four. Hello. Well, we all know four? that Trump is a liar and a thief. You know. <laughs> to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. He's a good guy, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. Of the doubt. Trump is a liar and a thief, so obviously he needs to go to prison for taking some napkins with him as he left the White House. You see how it works? You start, as I said on yesterday's show, you start connecting all these dots. Ukraine, Hunter, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's brother, Jim, the Hunter laptop, the, com the communications between the deep state and Twitter, social media, during all of this around that presidential election of 2020, the cover-up, Bill Barr covering it all up, the, the big explosive reveal in October of 2020 that was brought to us by the New York Post regarding Hunter's laptop, and that was completely scrubbed from Twitter and Facebook because Obama's deep state ordered it. And we now know this from the Twitter files. This is from October 2020. Smoking gun email reveals how Hunter Biden introduced Ukrainian biz businessman to his vice president dad. It was the pay-for-play scheme. Selling influence. Selling secrets. Favors. Not just to Ukraine. To China as well. It's all there on the laptop. 
And yet still, you have news agencies, they've only, gone, they've only gone so far to say, yes, the laptop is real. But what about the contents? When are they going to get to that? Well, maybe now they're about ready, or at least maybe now the House Republicans are about ready to get to it. And CBS, as urged by the deep state, CNN, Sundance says, look, if it's anonymous sources at CNN, it's, it's generally coming from the State Department. So, again, we'll get to the timeline on this in just a second. Let me just take you back to, again, that 2020 explosive bombshell revelation about the laptop. It says Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at a Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials in Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company according to emails obtained by the Post. So these are emails on Hunter's laptop, revealing that Hunter, Hunter introduced VP Biden to the, who was it, of Burisma, a top executive in 2015. Then Biden, I've already played it for you, Biden is off to Ukraine threatening Poroshenko to fire that prosecutor or else he doesn't get the billion. Now, along the way, when, when asked about any of this, Biden, of course, out on the campaign trail, getting ready to steal the election in 2020, repeatedly, just repeatedly insisted, I don't know anything about my son's uh, business dealings. Never met any of his colleagues or, or people that he works with. Nothing, nothing. I know nothing. Donald Trump, when he was campaigning, he put together this montage of all these denials, clip six. I, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. I did anything wrong, and uh, I didn't realize he was on the board till after, after he had been on the board. And at the same time, he has come forward and said it was a mistake on his part to be on the board. I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. The fact is, I was unaware of his investments until those occurred. And I've never discussed what my son's business with him because I didn't want any conflict. I don't discuss business with my son. I didn't know that was the case. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. I've never discussed my business or their business, my son's or daughter's. And I've never discussed them. Just lied and lied and lied again. And Hunter's own laptop exposes those lies. And you can see why. They made a coordinated and concerted effort to blot out the laptop entirely. All of those intel agents, 51 of them signed off on the fact that it's, it's got all the classic uh, hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Russia, Russia, Russia. Between Russia and Ukraine. Boy, the have you noticed the narratives? And it's kind of coinciding with the Republicans finally getting control of the House, but the narratives are just collapsing. And then you've got these liars, some of them. They're coming out just like the opening, the opening clip points out. They're coming out saying, I don't know anything about it. I've got another section here in a moment about the, the vaccine-related injuries. And some of these deep state officials... They're saying, we didn't know. Uh, yeah, there should have been more testing, uh, but hey, we didn't know it at the time. It's 
not my fault. It's got to be a lower level person somewhere that's guilty. Here's Joe Biden. Even after those documents made two trips, the trip out of the White House to some location controlled by Biden, and then from there over to the Biden Center when it opened in the summer of 2017. The Hunter laptop. There's an email there. There's probably plenty of them showing Hunter introducing his VP dad at the time to top executives at Burisma. All of this, like the Post story brought out in October of 2020, this blockbuster correspondence is contained in a massive trove of data recovered from a laptop computer. A massive trove of data. So now we come to find out about these classified documents that were discovered by uh, a team of lawyers and turned over to the National Archives on November 2nd. This was just days, less than a week before the midterm elections. Now let me just take you through the timeline from these past six, seven months. In August, I think it was August 8th, 7th or 8th, I forget the exact date, the FBI, they raid Donald Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago. And as I played for you earlier this week, every, all of the talking heads said, oh, this has to, these documents, I mean, these are serious crimes. Whatever these documents are, they've got to be nuclear codes. They've got to be nuclear codes. And here, what Donald Trump took, he had these regular communications with the National Archives, as all ex-presidents do, about what documents they can retain that they consider, them, that they consider their own. They were in Mar-a-Lago. During one exchange, the FBI came and said, all right, they're in this uh, secure place. Let's just put a padlock on that. Trump's people said, uh, yeah, no problem. So they're cooperating, in other words. They're cooperating. Of course they were. They were back and forth. And it was completely secure. Plus, I mean, plus, they, they, Trump still has, uh, he has security arrangements or security detail. Secret service, I mean to say. Do, Joe, Joe Biden has none of this at the Biden Center at uh, the University of Pennsylvania. He, he was, as I said yesterday, he was an outgoing vice president. He had no authorities to declassify anything. And yet you have some in the media still, we'll talk about the media later, but you, said, you have some in the media still trying to say that, well, what, but, well, you heard Joe Behar. You see, he's an honest and upright man, Biden, so we can give him the benefit of the doubt. It must, it must not be serious, even if, it's, even if it's about Ukraine. Just forget about it. But now Trump, even if they are napkins and mementos, that's, I mean, that's very, he should be in prison. How is he not in prison, they say? So the raid is in August. Like Tucker just said, the very crimes they're committing is what they accuse you of. I mean, think of it. You cannot make this up. Here, the raid happens, and Merrick Garland, he's getting all this pressure, and we need a special counsel, and there better be indictments. I mean, he, take, he took some, some classified documents, classified documents that Donald Trump says he declassified, and as the president of the United States, he had the power to do it. Then November 2nd, and keep in mind these documents, Biden's top secret documents, 
They, nobody knew about these documents for six years. He took them when he left in 2017. They went to some undisclosed location between January and the summer of that year. And then they were just sitting there at the University of Pennsylvania for six years. Discovered just before the midterms. Just after the midterms, conveniently enough, the Washington Post came out and admitted that Donald Trump's documents, you know, the scandal, the raid of Mar-a-Lago, they, they were pretty much nothing. I mean, it was just kind of more his ego. So here already, the lamestream media, they're backing away. They're saying it was kind of his ego. It shows how vain he was. But yeah, there's not nuclear secrets and that sort of thing. Already, they're exposed as frauds. That's November 14th, 2022. Then the next day, this is like a week after the midterms, Donald Trump announces that he's going to run for president in 2024. And it was just two, three days after that, that Merrick Garland announces, never mind what the Washington Post just reported, Merrick Garland under intense pressure, he announces that there's going to be a special counsel to oversee uh, these investigations of Donald Trump. Not Hunter, not Joe Biden, but Trump. All things Trump. So Jack Smith, I mean, he's going to town on, you know, getting these subpoenas lined up and everything that he's going to be collecting. He's got all the resources of the deep state to go after Donald Trump. And then we're transitioning into this changeover, at least in the House of Representatives. That happens just last week. A lot of the swearing-ins were over the weekend. For the Senate, it was last week. And lo and behold, we get this bombshell revelation on Monday coming from CBS that, you know, Joe Biden has his, his own classified documents problem. It's pretty amazing to me when you think about, well, really, the many questions that we, we still don't have a lot of answers. We're getting bits and bits and bits from CBS, from now CNN. But for six years, nobody knew anything about these documents. And then the timing, this is what, I think this is what fascinates me the most. The timing of this revelation, it happens right as the Republicans go to work. They're basically their first day of work, Monday of this week, which, which leads me to believe that this is just the tip of the iceberg. And if the Republicans are coming out and, and pr actually prepared to go on offense, I mean, for one, it's hard for me to believe because they've been so weak for so long. They haven't been willing to fight about anything. They haven't demonstrated courage and strength in the face of this attack on the United States from within, this fundamental transformation. Now it looks like some of them are prepared to fight. They announced just yesterday they're going to impeach Secretary Mayorkas because of what's happening down at the southern border. I mean, this is just a couple days into this particular term of Congress. It's pretty amazing. And then you see the reaction from the communist left. And all of a sudden they're coming forward. Oh, hey, just so you know, we've got these documents and we're really cooperating. We're really and, and Joe Biden didn't know anything about it, just like he didn't know about any of Hunter's business dealings. Right. We'll soon see a, a more about that, I'm sure. Merrick Garland, he knew about, certainly he knew about it since November 2nd. 
and there's some reports out there saying there's White House officials that knew about it as well. Some people knew about it because there were leaks that led to the story coming from CBS and CNN. Now, these are leaks quite unlike the ones we got used to for four years. These are leaks that are not targeting Donald Trump, but they're actually targeting Joe Biden. Or maybe, maybe it's more to cover tracks so that they can come out and claim, well, I just didn't know. I didn't know that those documents are there. And like Joe Behar says, you can uh, sort of give him the benefit of the doubt because deep in his heart of hearts, he's, he's such a good person. They're like cockroaches scurrying because the lights are coming on. And they know they're about to be exposed. And it makes, it makes you wonder, particularly when it's coming from CBS and CNN, these leaks, it makes you wonder. We've talked before about when Obama is through with the puppet, when he's done with, uh, with Joe Biden, he's going to throw him under the bus. No problem. This, uh, you know, speaking of timing, they wait just until the Republicans get control. Then there's these spectacular revelations. And they're also, I mean, this also happens right at a time when we're just a week or two away from Joe Biden announcing that he's going to run for re-election. I think there's plenty of Democrats. Obama, of course, is the kingmaker, but I think there's plenty of Democrats who would be quite happy with someone else. You heard the way they talked over the last few months. Mid-November, Trump announces he's running for, for president. So naturally, they're going to be asking Biden. They're going to be asking people close to Biden. And some you know, didn't want to answer. Others came out with sort of a half-hearted endorsement. Well, of course he should run again. Or, yeah, I think he's done a pretty good job. Or, well, I don't know. Maybe there's someone else. We're coming up to that time when he would announce that he's going to run again. And maybe his time is up. Maybe Obama knows we can't get any more mileage out of this guy. And all of a sudden, the skeletons, <clears throat> they start coming out of the closet, particularly if you have Republicans who really and truly are prepared to actually investigate the laptop of Hunter Biden as it relates to the classified documents and so many other things that we've seen, like the last-minute trip to Ukraine before the inauguration of Trump in 2017. Connect all of the dots. That's what, as I said yesterday, that's what uh, we need to do. Of course, we know in the larger sense that there's prophecies at play here. Two prominent individuals, an Antiochus, one coming in the spirit of Antiochus, and then the other fulfilling that prophecy regarding Jeroboam that you read about in 2 Kings 14 and uh, in Amos 7. And in 2 Kings 14, it speaks of a war, you know, Donald Trump having to war to recover what was stolen from him. Tucker talked about the media last night and how that this couldn't happen, all this corruption and lawlessness, without the media providing cover for Joe Bama. This is clip number nine. So the media's job, its only job, really, is to push back against attitudes like that and to seek the truth. Reporters are the people who are paid, who for a living find out what your government is doing and then tell you about it so democracy can continue. But there are very few of those left. Julian Assange is in prison for his efforts. Ed Snowden lives in exile. And the news organizations that remain are so thoroughly controlled by government agencies that even the suggestion of more public transparency drives them to hysteria. 
Watch CNN and MSNBC, for example, react to the news that Republicans in Congress might tell us some of what the thoroughly corrupt intel community has been doing in our name. A House committee where Republicans can shred at the integrity of the federal government and tell America that your government is spying on you and coming after you, that is at the heart of this tear down, break down the government. We can't trust the government. We're going to topple it. He just gave them a committee platform to have those hearings. And you better believe that is going to be heroin in the veins of Fox News viewers over the next two years. Basically, they're establishing a subcommittee or a committee on witch hunts and deep state conspiracy theories. This is so extraordinarily dangerous. As you said, they're going to actually, these people want to target America's intel community. This is a body that, uh, of uh, the Congress that we are trying to maintain credibility with, and we are not going to do that by opening up all kinds of suspicions about the institutions in our society. <laughs> it's outrageous to tell people the government is spying on them, especially since the government is spying on them. That's confirmed, by the way. That's a fact. They spied on us. But if you want to know what your government is doing, scolds Joe Scarborough, you're, quote, targeting America's intel community. You're unpatriotic. You're a disloyal American if you don't want to be lied to. They've been able to get away with their lies for so long. Now, now you see how they operate when they come under scrutiny. They've been able to lie and they've never been investigated. It makes you wonder if the investigations are coming. I mean, just judging by, again, some of the remarks of Republican congressmen, whether it's with respect to Mayorkas, Matt Gates the other day talked about the 14,000 hours of footage surrounding January 6, that they were going to be released. All of that footage that's going to expose the Fedsurrection. There's another narrative, another narrative of the radical left unraveling before our eyes. And I mentioned the story about, uh, about the vaccine. This is from CNN as well. Again, these are, these are mainstream media sources. This is uh, CNN. FDA vaccine advisors disappointed and angry that early data about new COVID-19 booster shot wasn't presented for review last year. So the officials, I mean, the ones in charge, they're, they're, uh, they're upset. They didn't get all the information, all the data. They're seeing the videos that you're seeing of people collapsing on the ball field or on the basketball court. Young lady down in the Bahamas, 18 years old, just went out to shoot some baskets, dies of cardiac arrest. The 16-year-old in Las Vegas, another 18-year-old in Vegas couple of teenagers in Canada. This is all just in the last week. This is all just since Hamlin collapsed in that football game a week and a half ago. We're keeping track. We've got an ongoing montage that we're producing. We'll play it for you at some point. And now here come these officials saying, well, you know, we didn't have all the data. And uh, now we come to find out it wasn't really tested like it should have been says some vaccine advisors to the federal government say they're disappointed and angry 
that government scientists and the pharmaceutical company Moderna didn't present a set of infection data on the company's new COVID-19 booster during meetings last year. So the finger pointing begins. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't even know the documents were there. I mean, uh, I, my lawyers have advised me not to even inquire about what they're, uh, they're, what they're concerning. So now the claims of ignorance, now the finger pointing, and just as they're about to come under scrutiny, isn't that amazing? It's all part of the war, isn't it? 2 Kings 14, Jeroboam having to war to recover, to recover what has been stolen. All of this, all of this, as I've said this week, revolves around the big lie that is the election of 2020 was absolutely perfect. That's the big lie. It was stolen. It was rigged. And there was a lot that went into rigging it. It was rigged in more ways than one, as we now know, as we're now seeing. My father gave a, a message on January 7th, this past weekend, and he comments on the war to recover, that prophecy in 2 Kings 14. Here's clip 11. How can anybody not see that something is wrong here? What, what is wrong with him? Well, you just have to go back to that beginning when he was first voted into office. He said, we are going to fundamentally transform America. Fundamentally. And this is what he meant. <laughs> this is what he meant. He didn't define that. But his fruits are defining it. And that's the kind of world you you're going to live in if you have him ruling over you. And the power that he has over this country right now is mind-staggering. It is indeed. And he, it's, he has the greatest spy system in the world, and he's spying on all of us if he wants to. That's the power he has. Who's going to stop him? If he can do that to the president uh, of the United States, he can do it to anybody. This is the power that he has. And this is what the war is about, you see. Jeroboam is warring with him. And God is going to back Jeroboam and give him a temporary victory. Without God, it would be impossible. I mean, look at the forces arrayed against Donald Trump. And yet, as I keep saying, we heard right after the midterms, he's finished, he's gone. Then he announces his reelection just days later. And then the special counsel, oh, he's finished, he's gone. He has those classified documents, remember. And now we, we learn about some other classified documents. At the very least, I mean, this pretty much, the, the, the revelation from this week, it pretty much obliterates the case that they could ever make against Donald Trump a former president who had the power to declassify. You know Merrick Garland in his heart of hearts. You know he wasn't looking forward to taking his evidence, quote-unquote, into a court of law. Now there's always the chance you can get a corrupt judge. But in a court, here again, the evidence comes under scrutiny. It's supposed to, anyway. And this is what they don't want. They like working under the cover of darkness. 
They like working when Democrats are in control because they know, they know. How rich is it, by the way, for Adam Schiff to talk about sham committees? Two impeachments over a phone call and a speech. And then the sham January 6th committee. And now Republicans say, hey, we're going to investigate the origins of COVID. We're going to investigate the vaccine efficacy. Uh, we're going to investigate the, uh, the border crisis. We're going to investigate, uh, not as Comer has said, not Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. Yeah, Congressman Comer from Kentucky. He says, we're going to look at Joe Biden as it relates to Hunter's laptop and all of these dealings with the Ukraine oligarchs. To say nothing of China, I mean, the Biden Center is up and running, as I covered yesterday. The New York Post took you through it line by line. The Biden Center's up and running. And then all this money from the CCP comes pouring in. Just as soon as it opens its doors. You can't make this up. I mean, a Holly, if a Hollywood movie were to draw up a script with the like peak level corruption at the highest level of government, it would be hard to top what we're witnessing right now. It's amazing to me, as we talked about the timeline from the last six, eight months, but that time, we've also emphasized that timeline from Donald Trump being elected in 2016, or a little bit later, once uh, Obama unleashed Brennan and others, the intelligence community, to, to spread the lie, the propaganda that Russia is responsible for Donald Trump's victory in 2016. That's in uh, you know, early to mid-December. And the Washington Post, as I said yesterday, the New York Times, they were running with that propaganda. Yeah, Russia Russia's the one that, that cheated for Trump, Donald Trump. And so then you have that leading into the setup of uh, incoming president, President-elect Trump, the January 5, January 6 meeting. So you had Antiochus working to to war against Jeroboam, to, to, to bring down Donald Trump's presidency before it could even get started. And then <laughs> Biden certainly was part of that. But then separate and apart from that, I don't know if it, it is actually separate, but he's at the same time, he's got to keep Biden Inc. going. He's got to keep his, his Biden crime family activities going. You know, the pay for play going. So he's there, he's there in the discussions. I think this is how we can get General Flynn, and they're all talking about how to keep the investigation going with, uh, with Donald Trump, the spying, and how Jim Comey can kind of build on the dossier and, and get the special counsel appointed. And then at the same time, Biden's there lining his pockets. It's not enough to be able to call the oligarchs because they could tap into that authorities in the Ukraine or here in the United States. He flies on Air Force Two, three days before he leaves office, because he's got to talk to those Ukrainian oligarchs face-to-face, in person. 13, 12, 13 trips. Yeah, I went over there. The, uh, March 2016, I went over there. I told President Poroshenko, you either fire that prosecutor that's investigating Burisma, the, the, the energy company that hired my son, 80000 a month, you either fire that prosecutor or you don't get a billion dollars from the United States of America, from the U.S. government. You don't get it. And evidently, according to Biden, the president said, you don't have that authority. Call Obama. Call Obama. 
Obama had delegated that kind of authority and power to Biden, and you wonder how much he's connected to all of these pay-for-play scandals. Every single one of these people just made filthy rich by their careers in government, working in government. The only one, as I said a few weeks ago, to go into Washington, D.C., and then to leave D.C. four years later with a net worth that was significantly lower than what it was when he came in, that would be Donald J. Trump. And so this is why they hate him. This is why they attack him, because he's a patriot. He wants to put America first. He wants to drain the swamp. He didn't have, he didn't have as much success with that for four years, the first term. But this is what he wants to do, and he's exposed. Look at how much more of this corruption, by the way, has been exposed. Just, just during the two years of this fraudulent presidency, of this third term of Barack Obama, you do, in looking at the last seven, eight, nine days, it, there has been a remarkable turn. Suddenly there's, there's members of Congress that have a backbone and, and look like they're prepared to fight. We were told after the midterms that there was no red wave and the Republican, Republican Party is divided and, and Donald Trump is finished. And then going into the battle over the Speaker of the House, we were told this was going to undermine the Republican cause. How do you go through all of that? You get to the end of it. Speaker McCarthy wins. He comes out to the cameras and says, couldn't have happened without Donald J. Trump. Trump's the one that sealed the deal. How is Donald Trump now in a stronger position today, right now, than he was a week ago or than he was the day after the midterms? They keep saying he's going away. Why won't he go away? Well, there's quite a few prophecies that shed light on that, and you can read about them in this wonderful book, America under attack. Call our operators today. The 800, under, the 800 number, i got to slow down so I don't stumble over my words. 1-866-930-3024. We've got a few minutes left. Hopefully I pasted a few email emails at the back end of my notes. We will see. It says here, some criticism, this comes from one of our viewers, some criticism aimed at Representative Matt Gates for not going all the way to prevent Rhino Kevin McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House is very short-sighted. In McCarthy's mind, he already had the speakership considered by him as a simple formality since he had earned it and uh, had presumptuously moved into the Speaker's office. Someone uh, would, have, would have to take the gavel out of his cold, dead hand. <laughs> He was entitled to it. He had earned it. He had already moved in. Pretty presumptuous. We touched on this last week, I know. It says, had the voting rounds continued, the power-hungry McCarthy would have dissed the God-inspired pre-Pelosi conservative concessions to reach out to Democrats like AOC and her squad to secure his self-proclaimed destiny. It says, the outcome may not be perfect, but as you so keenly pointed out, Donald Trump got due credit which means God orchestrated the entire process. That comes from one of our uh, regular viewers. 
Another one here says, your presentation today, outrage, righteous indignation, correction, enthusiasm. I wish I would have jotted down what uh, program this was in response to. But it says, it seemed to one-up any previous live stream. God and Christ are definitely strongly supporting you. God is exposing the evil, the evil doing and evil doers in large part through his church. Your closing scriptures were spot-on parallels for today's expose of sin. You can email us, by the way, the email address there at the bottom of your screen, trumpet.com. Another one says, I just wanted to send you a sincere thank you for all of your hard work, uh, the hard work that you do uh, each and every day to put out the message and broadcast on the Trumpet Daily. I know that it takes a great amount of time to prepare for each show, but please be assured that it is very cherished work. I look forward to every broadcast, and all that, although it goes out to everyone, it almost seems like it's coming directly to me each day. Well, God certainly does have a way of uh, just kind of individualizing each of the messages we're able to listen into. Another one says, the Bible study today was just perfect. We all become consumed with ourselves and forget that we are being given this extraordinary gift to know God's truth and to learn how to live it for the purpose of becoming able to give what we have been given to someone else and to teach them how to give it. Just give, give, give. Pure, honest, wholesome, perfect truth. Thank you for giving me a lift. Makes me think of Philippians 4 and verse 8. I read that earlier this morning when studying. Just to set our minds on the things that are perfect and lovely and honest and good and pure. If there be any virtue, if there be any virtue, said Paul, think on these things. Really set our mind, our minds on these things. Another one here says, great study today. Please, please let uh, those principles of living lessons from the college class continue to trickle out to the TD, the TD listeners as well. And then finally, as always, your broadcast cuts through all the world's distractions and minutiae that serves devious agendas and gets right to the core truth, as Mr. Armstrong would say, the plain truth. This week's Trumpet Daily broadcasts have validated much of what my study has been about this whole week. If you'd like to email feedback, the address trumpet.com. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>